What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Let's go ahead and turn to um, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're always going to be in Revelation chapter 20, by the way. And so uh, when we go there after Matthew, uh, make sure you just kind of leave a, a, a piece of paper there or something so that you can continue to come back. So Matthew chapter 4, I want you to look at the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus, which is he, went through all of Galilee, Matthew 4, verse 23, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And so this is why at church on Sundays we teach. It's what Jesus did. You cannot worship unless you worship in spirit and in what? Truth. And without the word of God, you're not going to worship properly. Truth is important. And Jesus was also proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, what's important to note about the Bible, and if you were to sum up the Bible, it is the people of God waiting for the kingdom of God to come. We are waiting right now for the kingdom of God to come. Well, how would you define the kingdom of God? It would be defined as this, the sphere in which Jesus reigns. That is the kingdom of God. I like where it says from Jesus, pray that your kingdom come and that your will is done where? On earth. So the kingdom of God is where the will of God is done all the time. So in the Tress household, we operate in the kingdom of God. And when my children didn't operate in the kingdom of God, by calling names, not listening, disobeying, they met something that will not be in the kingdom of God one day. So we corrected them, uh, you know, but in the kingdom of God in heaven, guess what? You're going to obey God all the time. Disobedience is not in the kingdom, so we can't allow disobedience in the trust kingdom. Does that make sense? And so the kingdom of God is where Jesus reigns. So we are told to seek his kingdom first, Matthew 6, We're told to pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We are told, just like Jesus did, to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And here's the thing. Jesus always establishes his kingdom through people. That's you. That's me. He has always done that. In fact, with Adam... He said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Take dominion over the earth. Basically, my kingdom, I wanted to expand out in the earth. He did it through Moses as well, where he brought the kingdom through the law of God. And then Joshua took the land of God and David set up the kingdom of God in Israel, where God's law was supposed to go forth and that was supposed to expand out. Jesus... He also came to establish his kingdom on earth. Again, this is why Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than any other topic in the four gospels. In fact, he talks about it over a hundred times. The kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. And so his main teaching and his main focus was the kingdom of God. And so for us, 
There has been deception in our age where we as the people of God believe that Jesus was not political. Let me tell you, that is deception. The Old Testament, God is very political with the ruling and reigning of David and his laws coming forth to bring the kingdom of God in his people. Revelation chapter 20 is where we are now. And by the way, let's look at Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve. before we go there. Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Revelation chapter 20, Jesus again is very political where he is going to rule and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And that's our text today. That's our topic today. But right now where we are, listen, we're going to experience Matthew eleven twelve 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. There is a forceful move and mindset that we here during this time have to have because our battle's not against flesh and blood. There is an enemy that is coming against us that is attacking the church. In fact, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, meaning there are gates that the enemy set up that he does not want the kingdom to advance on. And Jesus tells us, we are going to plow over those gates. We are going to run over those gates, but going over the gates is a violent thing. It is a warfare type of mindset that we are having. Now, listen, one of the great Christian leaders, William Wilberforce, he came to power in England. He was in parliament, and for 20 years, he fought and failed against the abolition of slavery in England. Every single year, he suffered violent. But eventually, he won, and slavery was abolished in England. But it was violent. I want you to understand this. Abraham Lincoln, who was a professing Christian, rose to power in the Civil War. And what one of the things that war was over was the abolition of slavery. Was it violent? Did it suffer violent? Yes, it did. But guess what? Slavery was abolished by blood in America. Now, it didn't solve all the problems, but it ended one really, really big problem. And so to think that Christians shouldn't be political is deception, because it's when we get in the political arena, we can now bring kingdom values on earth. I want to challenge every one of you. Put that book up for me, please. I just read this book. It's awesome. Tony Evans. Most things written by him are awesome. It's not the Bible, but he's pretty good. He's way better than me. Anyway, um, I want to challenge every Christian believer. Listen, if you want to see good happen in our society, you need to start voting. Do not let the enemy deceive you that it does not matter. It matters, and we'll get more into that as we go along. But let's go to Revelation chapter 20 now, because see, this is Jesus getting real political. He is going to establish his rule and reign on this earth. Let's go. Revelation 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key. The key means he has some that an angel is going to throw Satan like a football. 
we have a bad picture where we give Satan way too much power. Again, he has no authority. It's not Jesus against Satan, like South Park videos of the two wrestling. I don't know if some of you saw that. Don't watch it. It's not good. We have a mindset it's Jesus against Satan. No, it's not Jesus against Satan. Jesus doesn't get off his seat for Satan. Satan is a created being. And Jesus sends another created being to pick up Satan like a football and throw him into the bottomless pit, meaning he's no big deal. It's very important that you walk with that mindset because Christ is the king and at his name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is no battle. There is no contest. There is no Jesus is king. Make sense? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If God is for you, who are what can be against you? All right. So this angel threw him into the pit. And I want, by pit, I want you to put abyss, abyss, abyss. We're going to talk about that, the abyss. And shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations. And I want you to highlight deceive the nations, please. We're going to talk about that later as well. Deceive the nations. Any longer. So he's currently deceiving the nations. Let me say that again. He's currently out and about deceiving nations right now. Until the thousand years, highlight thousand years again, were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Now, if you go back to Revelation 19, verse 20 and 21, go ahead and do that because it's just one place. It says the beast was captured, Revelation 19, 20, 19, verse 20. The beast was captured in the false prophet who had done signs which deceived, there's that word again, those who had received the mark of the beast and those worshiping its image, and those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. So the Antichrist and the false prophet were thrown into the lake of fire. But Satan's not getting thrown into the lake of fire. Back to Revelation 20, please. He's going to be thrown into the abyss. Sebastian, if you could go ahead and throw up that next picture, please. So I, I zoomed in on this picture so that we can see this here. This top portion is the millennium period of Christ, where he is ruling and reigning on earth from Jerusalem. And that is a thousand-year period. During this time, Satan is bound in the abyss. He's bound in the bottomless pit. He's going to be taken out of that pit after the thousand-year reign because he's going to be let loose again in the world. We're going to get into that. Then he's going to be judged and thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. That is hell. That is eternity. So I just wanted you to see the difference here from the bottomless pit where Satan is going to go, unlike the false prophet and the beast, which is the Antichrist, they are already in the lake of fire, all right? So the pit or the abyss, if we remember in Revelation 9, one of the judgments of God Demons were released from this abyss, and they stung people with the power of scorpions, all right? So again, that's not hell. That is the abyss. That is the holding place of the demonic 
until they're all thrown into the lake of fire. All right, let's move on. Verse 4. Then I saw thrones and seated on thrones. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And seated on them were those whom with the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. I want you to highlight they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So the souls that have been beheaded, remember we've talked about that during the seven-year tribulation period, the way they're going to kill Christians and those who will not take the mark of the beast, you will have to get your head chopped off. That's going to happen. And so they're not going to die, though, because they're going to come back to life. In fact, let's go ahead and and, and keep your place here. Turn to Revelation 5.10. Revelation 5.10. So here in Revelation 5.10, and and as we've been going through this, we believe here at Bow Down that there is a tribulation, seven-year tribulation period. We believe that after the church age ends, which is Revelation chapter 2 and 3, that's the church age, which is a 2,000-year period, roughly, uh, that the church will then be raptured and taken to heaven. And while the church is in heaven... Revelation 5.10, we are around the throne, every tribe, every tongue, every language, we're worshiping Jesus, and look at what it says, you have made them a kingdom priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. This is future tense. This is the church of Jesus Christ in heaven, worshiping Jesus, but it's future tense, someday you will reign on the earth. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 20, and let's read the end of verse 4 again. Those people who had had, had had their heads chopped off because they wouldn't receive the mark on their forehead, they came back to the life, came back to life, and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, Revelation 20. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So, Sebastian, if you could put up the big picture, please. I want you to understand something, that when you look at Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man that when he died, he went to this place of torment. He went to this place where there's no rest and eternal flames. It's called Hades or Sheol. Hades or Sheol, that's listed multiple times in the Old Testament. Hades or Sheol. And so if you die and you do not know Christ today, you are going to go to this place of eternal flames and torment. Those who are dead, they're not going to come back to life. Only those who are born again will come back to life during the millennium And they will reign in the millennial kingdom with Jesus Christ. You and I will be reigning in the kingdom, the millennial kingdom with Jesus Christ, okay? And so that's listed right there. We're going to see here that these people who are tormented in hell, excuse me, in Hades or Sheol, 
they're going to go up to the great white throne judgment one day, be judged, and then they're going to go to the lake of fire, which is the second death. So we're going to get into more of this here in a minute, but I needed to explain that because I want you to understand this, church. Those saints who have put their faith in Jesus that maybe died 100 years ago, they're going to be at the first resurrection, and they are going to rule with Christ in the millennial kingdom. They will be alive. Those who die without Christ, rejecting Christ, they will stay in eternal flames until the great white throne judgment. All right? Let's keep going. Verse 5. This is the first resurrection. Again, the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ. And by the way, you could put Revelation 5.10 over that because we've already read that. That's future tense. They will be priests of God, and they will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Highlight a thousand years again. So we continue to see a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. Now, I want you to keep your place here and turn to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Imagine a world dominated by Jesus. This is the millennial reign of a thousand years where he is on his throne. He's ruling and reigning in Jerusalem. There's no injustice. There's no bad deals that cause inflation. There's no wars. There's fairness, equity. Racism is gone. There's no health issues. It's basically the Garden of Eden again. It's going to be an amazing time where people are going to live and not die. And let's go ahead and look at it. It's listed here in Isaiah. And by the way, I could give you tons of references today. We do not have time to go and look at them all. But I want you to see this is the Old Testament speaking about the thousand year millennial reign. Revelation chapter 20, Isaiah 2, verse 1. The word of Isaiah, the son of Amos concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the later days, again, you could put Revelation 20 above that, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach. Now, right there above he may teach, Put 1 Corinthians 13, 12, because when we are in heaven, we are not going to need to be taught. When we see him, we will be like him in heaven. We will fully known in heaven. Again, he will teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. So it is going to be an option whether or not people in the millennial reign will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from where? Jerusalem. Why? Jesus will be in Jerusalem ruling and reigning. And he will judge between the nations. In heaven, 
He's not judging between the nations because it says in heaven, you're from every tribe, from every nation, meaning you're not in the nations anymore. You're not in a tribe anymore. You're from that. Here, you're not from that. You're still in the nations. And he shall decide disputes or arguments in heaven. Guess what? No more arguments. Remember what happened? Satan kind of argued with God, got full of pride. I want to be in charge. Oop, that got him kicked out. Don't argue. There's no arguments in heaven. You, for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. There's going to be peace on earth. There's going to be spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Why? Because Jesus is ruling and reigning. Now, when Satan is let out from the pit, he'll deceive the nation and there'll be one more war. But during the thousand years, that period, it's not going to happen. Jesus is going to rule and he's going to reign and he's going to bring justice on earth. Let's go to Isaiah 11.10, please. Isaiah 11.10. And again, the whole Bible is a build up to this. Jesus reigning, Jesus reigning in his millennial kingdom. And then after that, Revelation 21 and 22, where, where we had this new heaven and a new earth. This is what it's all about, guys. And by the way, here's your homework for the next few weeks. Meditate on, meditate on these passages that I'm giving you of the millennial reign of Christ but also Revelation 21 and 22. Why? Because this is the goal of God. And you and I were commanded in Colossians 3, set your mind on what? Things above. Things above. That is our home. That is our eternity. That is where all of my hope lies. Not in this. Look, some of you have been hoping in your 401k. Uh-oh. Some of us got to work a couple more years now. Don't put your hope on this stuff that's temporal. We got to set our mind on things above. Again, it says, Paul says, nothing compares to the glory that's going to be revealed. And so this, this light and momentary affliction where the kingdom suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. We're going we're gonna to go through the wall. We're going to get bruised up going through the law. But it doesn't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed someday. And this is our hope, church, not here on earth. Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Jesus was from Jesse. Jesus was from Jesse. He's the root. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what he sees or decide disputes by what he hears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Highlight of the earth. This is not heaven. This is the earth. This is the millennial reign of God 
where the meek, the meek will get the equity that they deserve. Right now, the meek are not getting the equity they deserve. In fact, a lot of times the meek get taken advantage of and trampled on. One day, Jesus is going to make this all right. And this is our hope. This is what we're waiting for. He shall strike the earth, again, the earth, with the rod of his mouth. You could put Psalms 2 above that because he's going to rule with the rod of iron and, and those enemies will be dashed to pieces. With the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. The righteous shall be the belt of his waist and the, faithful, and the faithfulness, excuse me, faithfulness shall be the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ox shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain for the earth. Highlight that again. This is a millennial reign of Christ shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covered the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples and of him, the nations inquire. They shall inquire in his resting place shall be glorious. I want you to turn to the New Testament, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, please, because you're going to see a prophecy that has not been fulfilled. It has not been fulfilled, but its fulfillment is going to come in Revelation chapter 20. Its fulfillment's going to come in Revelation chapter 20. And so here the angel is ministering to Mary and gives her this prophecy and lets her know what's about to go down. So let's pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Did that happen? Yes, it did. And he will be great, and he will be called son of the Most High. That did happen, by the way. People did call him that. And the Lord will give him the throne of David, the throne of his father, David. Did that happen? No, it did not. That never happened. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, we see Jesus on a throne, but that's not the throne of David. That's not the throne that's in Jerusalem. That's not the throne that's on the earth. That's the throne that's in heaven that Jesus is seated on. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Has that happened? No, it has not. Israel hasn't bowed their knee to King Jesus. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is speaking of the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus, all right? So let's go back to Revelation 20, verse 7. 20, verse 7. It says, and when the thousand years are ended, so highlight thousand years again, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle, and their number is like the sand of the sea. Of the sea. And they, verse 9, Revelation chapter 20, marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, which is Jerusalem, 
and fire came down from heaven. Note, this is earth. It can't be heaven if fire is coming down to earth from heaven. So Jesus, again, he's ruling on the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints. Well, I already read that. Sorry. Verse 10. Fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. So now this is not the abyss. This is the actual lake of fire. This is hell. This is where Satan is thrown in, where the beast and the false prophet were. Remember Revelation 19, verse 20? They already went there. Satan didn't go there. He came to the abyss. Now, here's the question for us. Why there will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that's what hell is. It's torment. And by the way, if you don't believe hell is real, people on this earth multiplying out. Children having children, having children, having children. And this time, there's going to be people that say, you know what, God? We don't want you to rule over us. Even though, even though Jesus is perfect in his rulership and his leadership. Listen, the Garden of Eden... It was perfect. But what did Adam and Eve say? You're not going to rule over us. We're going to do what we want to do. And God is not going to force people to love him because that would be control issues, right? (laughs) When somebody forces you to love you, that's a bad relationship. Break up. But people are going to choose whether or not they want Jesus or not. And so in this thousand-year reign, it's an option. Come to me. Come to me, but some people are going to choose, no, we don't want you, Jesus. We want to do what we want to do. After that thousand years, Satan's going to be released on the earth. He's going to gather those people that do not want Jesus to reign. And then there's going to be another war. And it's not going to go well, okay? Now, so after the thousand-year reign, there's going to be another Lord uh, war. Um, Sebastian, go ahead and put the, the, the thousand-year picture up, please. This is what I want you to understand. And by the way, Second uh, Peter 3.8, it says this. Do not, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow at fulfilling his promise, as some count slowness, slowness. But he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. God's heart is that everyone is saved. Jesus died for the world, but he's not going to force. And so it is a choice whether or not you want to receive Jesus or continue to reject him. And so... The Bible says, not only here, but also in Psalm 90, verse 4, that a thousand years is but a day to you. Now, what's interesting, if you start with Adam all the way to Enoch, it is historically a thousand years. And then from Enoch to Noah, another thousand years. And then the nation of Israel and the Hebrew patriarchs, another thousand years. Day four, the kings of Israel, okay? And then day five and six, Jesus has been gone for 2,000 years. We've been over Revelation 2 and 3. That's a 2,000-year church age period, which is why I believe Jesus is coming very soon 
for the last thousand years if a thousand years are like a day to Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's go ahead and put up the different views that we have on Revelation chapter 20. I need you to hang with me real quick. Put on your thinking cap here. There is an amillennial perspective which basically believes that Revelation chapter 20 is right now. It's happening. All right? The amillennials believe, they don't, they don't believe in a thousand-year reign. All right? They also believe that the Messiah's kingdom, the passages we just read, are being fulfilled right now through the saints of Jesus Christ. I don't know who's playing with snakes over an adder's hole, but anyway, if you, if you figured out how to do that, um, anyway, so I guess that wasn't funny. So these churches also believe that, that believe in this. Most, most of them, they believe that the church has replaced Israel. They believe in replacement theology. Again, we reject that. They also believe that Satan is bound right now. Well, all you got to do is read the New Testament. In fact, here's just one verse, right? First Peter 5, 8, the, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So that's the amillennial, right? Ah, they, 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 they are like atheists. They don't believe in this, that it's happening right now. We reject that as a church, but if you believe it, you're welcomed here. They also believe that the number of a thousand is symbolic. Now, I had you highlight a thousand years, and how many times was it? Six times, right? So far, six times, God has said a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand. Do you think he's being symbolic? I don't. I think he's being literal because every time there's numbers that are giving in the book of Revelation, they have been literal. In fact, when Revelation talks about the, 12, the 1,260 days, that's half the seven-year tribulation period, we believe that those are literal, that God is not trying to confuse us. And so I believe God is trying to make a point. Hey, guys, listen, this is going to happen for 1,000 years. He's not trying to confuse us. And again, the book of Revelation, it's not a concealation. It's a revelation. He wants to reveal so we can know. The second group down at the bottom is the post-millennial. They believe that Jesus is coming at the end of the millennium, after the thousand years. They also believe the world is going to get better and better and better and better that there's going to be a golden age of peace. And so Christ is going to return to a Christianized world. That is where liberation theology comes in and kingdom theology comes in. But the concern for me is what do you do with Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus said, in the end, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, and it will be like birth pains that it is going to get worse, that the love of, of God will grow cold and many people will fall away. In fact, Thessalonians talks about a great apostasy. And again, I don't have time to get into all this because we've already been through all of this. But I reject post-millennialism anyways, just to throw this out. So what do we believe here at Bow Down? The next chart, please is that Christ returns in Revelation 19, and then he sets up his earthly kingdom. We believe that the Bible is going 
So Revelation 19, Jesus comes back. He destroys his enemy. The Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the abyss. Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth. We see Isaiah chapter 2. We see Isaiah chapter 11 happen. Psalm chapter 2 happen. I can keep going. And we see Revelation chapter 20 happen for a 1,000 years with Jesus ruling and reigning. We believe after the church age that, that the rapture happens, and that's why I said I believe the rapture is, is upon us here, that we are caught up into heaven with Christ, that we're not going to go through the wrath of God. In, in Revelation chapter 6, it says, who can save us from the wrath of the Lamb? I do not believe that God wants to pour out his wrath on his people. Jesus took the wrath on the cross so we don't have to go through it. And so I believe we're watching in heaven with seven years, and then we're going to come back in Revelation chapter 19. We're behind Jesus on the white horse. He crushes his enemy. He sets up his throne in Jerusalem, and he begins to rule and reign for a thousand years. And then the enemy's released, and now the eternal state happens, which is Revelation 21 and 22. Again, let that be your meditation. So, With that being said, how can we drill down for our times right now? How can we be aware? What does God want us to take away? Because I believe this is coming. This is an exciting time to be in our world. Let me just say to you that the mark of the end times is deception. What is Satan's job? His job is to deceive. He is a liar, Jesus said, and the father of lies. His authority has been removed. So he doesn't have any authority. Jesus, it says, all authority has been given to me in Matthew 28. So the authority of Satan has been taken away. He has no authority anymore. So now what he has to do is lie. Think about this. Back in the day, some of you tried to get in a club. But you didn't have an ID, so you didn't have the what? Authority to get in. So some of you... Got a fake ID. Come on now. Come on now. Don't lie in church. And you use that fake ID, which was a lie, which was a deception, and it got you into the club. Listen, he's going to try to lie and get in your club. He wants you as a club sandwich. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. Understand, he does that not with authority, but through deception. Does that make sense? We talked about amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial, and if you're confused, that's okay. Jesus is going to come. He's going to reign for a thousand years, and you'll get it one day. Don't stress out. But let's not be people that hate on people because they're deceived. If somebody believes something different, we will love you, we will love you, we will love you. Now, I believe you're deceived. If you have a wrong view on this, and that could have some consequences, but I'm never going to be mad at anybody who's deceived because you can't hate a blind man for being blind. We, we, we are called to love. We're called to speak the truth in what? Love. That we step towards people and say, hey, I want to warn you. Now, listen. I want to play a video real quick, okay? Go, go ahead and play that video. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested 
on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. So this is the leader of Pfizer. If you got the Pfizer vax, come forward for healing. We'll pray for healing. This is very controversial, Chris. I know it is. I know it is. Listen, they just acknowledged they didn't test it before it went to market. You were their test. I'm not mad. Don't be mad at me. That, but, but listen, the world was saying, follow the science, but there was no science to follow. You're the science now. And reports are coming back. And so, guys, listen, when you look at that, how many people got the vax to keep their job? How many got it? You don't have to. Yeah. And how many people were guilted into it because you don't love me if you time? Listen, here's some more deception that's coming to the church. Next picture, please. So. During all of the race stuff, this infiltrated the church. This lady, Robin D'Angelo, basically she says, and I'm quoting her, if you are white in America, you are a racist. Pure and simple. And without effort, a lifetime of effort, you're always going to be a racist. Well, if you're white, listen, she's not God. She's not God. But that kind of stuff came into the church. Her next thing. I don't think in my lifetime I'm going to be free from my racist conditioning. Are you kidding me? And people were, were, were proclaiming this in the church. No, if the sun sets you free, you're what? You're free indeed. Look, you can get, get free from drugs and alcohol and porn, but not racism. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. Listen, guys, we've got to be very, very careful. And not only that, she got rid of her authority. And she said... I'm not even going to decide at any given moment if I'm actually anti-racist because only people of color can do that. No, 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 no. I don't care who you are. Color, no color. The only person who's declaring over me whether I'm free from sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. I will not allow someone to declare whether I am or ain't. Does that make sense? But yet... Half the church in the United States welcomed this diabolical, demonic ideology into the church, and there was deception. Next slide, please. So you can go on the Heritage Foundation, and you can find this article, and I encourage you to do this. Why? Because this is a political agenda that's being promoted by a certain political party in the state of Michigan that's going to be voted on this year. Next, next slide. And what this is going to do, it's going to remove, look, look at number two. Anyone, including a minor, could have the right to abortion, birth control, 
or other reproductive surgeries like the removal of healthy breasts. The mutilation of our precious children is on the ballot in Michigan. Proposition 3 fails to protect minors or the rights of parents to be involved. So parent, listen, you if your child is is 8 years old and they want to be a boy for the rest of their life, they do not have to come to you and ask permission. They can just go to the school counselor and get a surgery. And that's that. And you don't have any say. Church, if you don't get political, this is the kind of nonsense that's going to be in our nation. Do you think Jesus wants this? Do you think she, he's, he's wanting this to happen? Listen, whenever the nations are aligned in a popular ideology, you and I need to be very, very careful in the church. We need to be aware. Global warming, global warming. Listen, I don't believe in global warming. I believe in biblical warming. Jesus is going to warm this place up. He's also going to destroy this place. And listen, the ideologies that are causing our gas prices to go through the roof. The foundation is global warming. We're seeing this, that the world's going to be around. You and I don't have enough power to destroy the earth. How arrogant that we're going to save the planet. Biblical warming is going to happen. And they say right now, Our country's going to run out of diesel fuel in 25 days. So start stocking up, guys. This is not, this is real news. This is serious. Why are we in a place like this? Because of political policies. Political policies. Why is Europe going to be burning wood? One of the most advanced countries in the world because of political policies. They went green. They're going to save the planet. And they're going to destroy nations. You have to be involved politically. And you have to go in the booth with your Bible voting biblical values. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, the earth and sky fled away. And there was no place found for them. So there, there you go. That's what's going to happen to our planet. Just like that, gone. It's gone. Earth and sky, gone. Listen, God created this earth in six days with little words, let there be. Everything you see, it was created. Mankind, everything. Let there be, let there be, let there be. At this moment, right after this war ends with Satan, the thousand-year millennial reign, the earth is going to just disappear. And everybody in the world that doesn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, they're going to stand before the throne. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Again, the dead. That doesn't mean Christians because Christians have already made it to the first resurrection. That's the only resurrection. We are alive. We are well. But those people, go back to the, 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 the big picture. 
Those people that are in Hades or Sheol, they're in there that die without Christ. They're in there right now. They, at that time of the great white throne judgment, are going to go stand before God. You see that top thing there? And he's going to judge them. Then they're going to come into the second death for eternity. There's going to be no escape. There's going to be no defense, no appeal, no jury, no parole. They're going to be sent there because Jesus is going to judge them. He is going to look past everything that they would say to try to get out. And he is going to judge them. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. See, when you do not trust Jesus to take away your sins, you no longer have a Savior, and you're on your own, and everything that you ever done, you will be judged by. Listen, I've probably done a lot worse than many people who are going to be in hell. In fact, I know that, because there's people that try to do good. But man, the Bible says no one is good. No, not one. And so if you don't have a Savior, who is Jesus? Who is the way, the truth, and the life? And no one comes to the Father except through him. If you don't have him, you will be judged. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I want to leave you with this. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Worship team, if you could just come on up, please. I'm just going to let God's word speak. And then we're going to worship Jesus. This is now the second letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. That's right now with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fast, this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. That was Noah. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now existed are stored up for fire, biblical warning, warming, but kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day, is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, here's the question, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening and coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved Paul also wrote you according to the wisdom given him as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Father, we pray. That as we read this chapter today, God, of Revelation chapter 20, we are so excited for your millennial reign. We are so excited for your return, Jesus, where you come and you put your foot down and you begin to make everything right. And I pray, God, today that if there's someone that's here that doesn't know you, that has never surrendered their life to you, Jesus, repenting of their sins, asking for forgiveness, putting their faith and their hope in the finished work of the cross, saying, Jesus, I invite you in to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I pray that they would do that today because in your heart, Jesus, you took wrath because you wanted to save them from the wrath that is coming on those who refuse this great gift on the cross. And so, God, I pray today that we would be people that make our calling and election sure, that we would live lives of holiness waiting for you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And I pray, God, as we turn our affections towards you now, that we would sing to you knowing that you, you are going to come and make everything right. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.